Good morning, Mansfield Bible Church. So glad that you're able to join us today in person and online. As you can tell, I'm preaching from my office again. I'm still in quarantine. Um, we need to keep the lingals in prayer as they still deal with the COVID issues and how it's impacting them. And so keep them in your prayers. A question that we need to keep in mind as well is the whole issue of where is our joy? Joy is a crucial part of our lives. Uh, scripture tells us the joy of the Lord is our strength. And you think, well, how can I get it back? What happened to it? Seems like I've lost it this year because of the stresses that are going on, because of the struggles, because of the, the different issues, uh, in some cases, job loss or loneliness or working from home or, or children who are struggling uh, uh, or struggling in just so many different areas of life watching our country as it goes through the throes of different things from uh, uh, the president being impeached once again to, uh, to what we saw and witnessed last week. I listened to uh, a uh, video that was an interview between Ben Stewart and Lou Giglio, and it was titled, For Such a Time as This, taking that phrase from Esther, uh, where Mordecai told Esther, maybe you were born for such a time as this. And it, you're in this place for such a time as this, in the king's palace for such a time as this. Well, Ben Stewart has a church, Passion, Passion City Church, that's uh, part of Lou Giglio's uh, organization, two churches, one in Atlanta and one in D.C. And he just started a few years ago and, and has just gotten it off the ground and, and uh, uh, it's grown a lot. And that day, last week, uh, when when everything broke out around the Capitol, they had people from their church family that were there, that were either police officers or uh, interns in the building. And, and it scared them uh, a lot for their people. And they prayed diligently for them and were involved and engaged. Uh, there was so much more that they mentioned in this podcast that happened that day uh, that uh, then even the news reported. And and so Ben Stewart made this comment. He says, we watched the tragic violence that occurred in our capital this week, and it was unsettling for all of us on so many levels. The personal implications for every one of us there are obviously uh, personal, but also national implications. And so he, he was talking about this, and I was thinking, wow, the stresses and the different things that we faced, it's real easy for us this year to have lost our joy. And so I was, I, was, I was thinking about that. I was thinking, how do we get our joy back? Can we get it back? We were hoping to get it back in 2021. Well, it's not just going to come back automatically. And so I, I, I thought, well, what do we need to do? What do we need to be invested in? What does our focus need to be in order to get our joy back? And one of the Psalms that I came to was Psalm 100. Psalm 100 has one, been one of my favorites most of my life. Uh, I knew it even before I was a believer in Jesus Christ, and, and it was meaningful to me. And, and so as you look at this together with me, you see that it starts out and it says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And you think, wow, is that a command? Is that something I'm just supposed to suck up and uh, uh, get a stiff upper lip and, and just say, okay, I'm, I'm rejoicing. I don't feel like it, but I'm rejoicing because I'm commanded to. 
Or is there something else that will strengthen us in that joy, that will give us that joy back, that will give us a reason to be joyful, that will motivate us in our joy? I know that when I was thinking about this picture here, make a joyful noise. I was thinking about many things that are joyful noises. One of those is a simple baby's belly laugh. In fact, I found one online and I'd like for you to listen to it for just a second. I want us to get 30 seconds really of just sheer joy. <laughs> As you listen to this baby laugh, you can't help but smile yourself and, and even laugh yourself out loud. You find yourself finding this joy. And I think when we make a joyful noise, does God respond that way? Does, does he get a smile? Uh, does he get uh, enjoyment out of seeing our joy and our laughter when we laugh in such a way? And I think God desires that for us. And in fact, that's why this psalm says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And I think that what we have found is, is that we've, we've got to get that joy back. I read an article that uh, uh, was titled, A Year of Blur's Days. Blur's Days is what it called. They kind of went by in a blur. They just, and, and, and the interesting thing is he talks about how this lockdown and the, the, the different things that we faced impacted our perspective of time. Uh, and in fact, either time dragged along very slowly or it, it went very fast. And here's the thing that they say about time. He says, objectively, time passes at a constant linear rate, right? But he says, subjectively, however, time waxes and wanes with our activities and emotions. Sometimes it flies by, while other times it drags so slowly that it almost stands still. And he says, what makes it feel like that is, is typically how people are uh, socially interacting and how stressed they were and how busy they were. All of those were factors in how time went by and it was associated the negative emotions and slowness with boredom, sadness, and stress. And so the question that they raised is, will time regain its regular rhythm? And my question is, can we get our joy back regardless of what happens in our world? Regardless of the situation, regardless of the circumstances, because in Psalm 100, he says, make a joyful noise. He doesn't say when things are going well or when things are great, or he doesn't talk about circumstances in this case. And so my question is, how can we get our joy back regardless of what happens moving forward in 2021? Lou Giglio and Ben Stewart said, all of us want to be people that God wants to, uh, us to be moving forward in a landscape that's so filled with anger and distrust and division 
to help us keep our eyes set on Jesus. And so their focus is here that when we go through this difficulty and this anger and distrust, we keep our eyes and our focus on Jesus. In fact, they talk about the fact that uh, uh, one of the sayings around their church is Jesus is the lead story. He's our lead story. And he says he's still the lead story. It's not what we're seeing in the news. Those aren't the lead story. Jesus is it. And he says he's the same yesterday. And you can count on him yesterday. He's the same today. You can depend on him and trust him today. He's the same tomorrow. And your future is, and our faith is built on what he's going to bring about. And that's why I think Psalm 100 is so important to us. In fact, they go on to say, he brings up the, the, the book of James. Uh, and he says, uh, if I'm to give in to words of anger, I'm already on the path, off the path of righteousness. Because he, he quotes James and he says, be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to become angry, because the anger of man does not produce the righteousness God requires. And if it doesn't promote God's righteousness, then I'm off the path if I'm given in to those things. And he says, we need to recalibrate our emotions. Nehemiah did that. He recalibrated his emotions when he heard that the city of Jerusalem was broken down and in ruins and, and, uh, and, and wiped out. I mean, their nation was in a bad predicament. And what did he do? He wept and mourned and fasted and prayed. And I was thinking about that as before I get into this psalm any further, I, I was thinking as a church, we are in a good place when we're fasting and praying. We're weeping for our nation, weeping for our lives, weeping for people, and we fast and pray. And so I want to ask everyone who's listening to this message sometime this week to take a day or, take, or miss a meal. Maybe you can't do the whole day because of health issues or whatever. Maybe just take a meal and you skip that meal. Skip a lunchtime and just pray. Fast and pray and petition our God that he would change us, that he would change our world, that he would change our city. And so I want to encourage us to do that. And so as we get into this psalm, you'll find that the psalmist is talking about talking to God and he's talking to God with thankfulness and talking to God with gladness and, and even singing to God. And so I want us to think about this psalm as a psalm of prayer, a psalm where we talk to God and we let him know what's in our hearts and that along with Nehemiah that we fast along with that, that we fast and we pray. Well, let's get into the psalm a little bit. In the psalm, it says, make a joyful noise. That word, make a joyful noise, uh, is, is a, it's a one word in Hebrew. It's this idea of shouting in triumph. It can also be uh, a shout um, of, uh, uh, of something else, of anxiety or whatever. But typically, and especially in this context, it's the idea of shouting in triumph. This idea of just a joyful noise. Now, I used to think of this psalm, uh, this joyful noise, as in regard to singing, because later it says, come into his presence with singing. And, and I heard somebody say years ago that, um, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's a joyful noise. You know, you, you don't necessarily have to carry a tune. And, and I stood next to a man, my dad, who couldn't carry a tune to save his life, and yet he loved to sing. 
And I loved to sing. I loved to sing next to that man. And it's amazing that I can carry a tune to this day. But to hear that joyful noise that he thought was singing was such a delight to my heart. And I think about this baby laugh that we listen to, a joyful noise. I think about somebody just whistling, just going along whistling because they're happy and, and it brings delight to our hearts, hearing birds chirping and singing their songs. And, and I think these joyful noises in our world, we're supposed to participate in that. We're supposed to be one of those joyful noises. And, and so we need to understand why is it, how is it that we can do that? Well, in order to understand where the psalmist is going, let's talk just a little bit about the structure of this psalm. It's very simple. In verses 1 and 2, he talks about us. In verse 3, he talks about the Lord. In verse uh uh, four, he talks about us again. And then in verse five, he talks about the Lord. And you think, why does he do that kind of going back and forth, almost like a tennis match? Well, he's going back and forth for a reason. He's, he's saying, here, make a joyful noise, noise to the Lord. And here's the reason why. The reason why is the Lord is God. And then he says in verse four, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Why? The reason why is the Lord is good. He's loving. He's faithful. And so this, this psalm is very simple in its structure. Do this because of this. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Why? Because the Lord is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. He's the shepherd. And so we, we look at that and we realize that we have every reason to have joy and our joy, and don't, don't miss this. This is the key point in the song. The reason for our joy is the Lord. Our joy is found in him. And if it's found in him, he's a constant. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. And so our joy if it's locked in him, will never change. It will always be there in some sense, in some capacity. And as we grow in Christ, I think one of the things we need to learn is how to have that constant joy, that constant reliance upon him. And as we grow in our, our trust in him, that joy will be more and more constant. So here we have this idea of making a joyful noise. And you think, how do I do that? It's locked in the Lord. But why do I do that? Because when I have my joy in him, one of the things that I know in Psalm 1611, it says, in your presence is fullness of joy. And we talks about coming to his presence. And this idea is we come into his presence, we're going to experience this fullness of joy. In, the in, an, in another interview that I watched between John Piper and Randy Alcorn talking about heaven, um, they made this comment, it's, uh, it, it's hard to hope, really hope for something and then live like you're not hoping for it. And at first I went, what? Say that again? It's hard to hope for something and then live differently than that hope. So if my hope is in the Lord, then it's hard to live in any other way other than 
in, the, in his presence and, and fullness of joy. And so when I'm struggling in hope, it helps me to realize I've lost my focus. And I need to get my focus back on him. And so if you're struggling with that, and any time you struggle with it, you need to stop and say, I've lost my focus. It needs to be on Jesus. And take a moment to just talk to him. Take a moment to just get refocused. Take a moment to read maybe a passage in the Gospels to get your focus back on Jesus. Maybe a passage that you've memorized to just quote it to yourself. Or to actually come into his presence with singing. Maybe a song that you have memorized. He goes on to say when he's talking about heaven, uh, uh, John Piper and Randy Alcorn, they say, we're looking forward to the new heavens and new earth, quoting 2 Peter 3. We're looking forward to the new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, what sort of people ought we to be? And so they're, they're using that passage to, to help us see even scripture saying, you can't live differently than your focus. And if your focus is on this new heavens and new earth that's coming, then it's going to change the way that we live our lives and so that we live with heaven in mind. And because we live with heaven in mind, it changes our focus, it changes our perspective, it changes us. And the application then is we come into his presence. I, was, uh, watched, I watched a short little, and only part of it, I got tired of it, uh, a video of a, of a pastor in Kilgore, Texas. Oh, Wade McKinney's his name. And he was talking about all the things that were getting ready to happen. And he was saying, well, martial law is coming or whatever. And he says, so you need to make sure that, that you get food and you fill up your car with gas and you have plenty of uh, bullets and get your guns ready. And I was like, wow, really? That's what we're supposed to do? Where is that focus coming from? That's not the right focus. That's, that's, that's not what we, what scripture tells us is we get our focus on Jesus and then we want to go tell people about Jesus. We become his witnesses. And so that's what we're supposed to be doing. That's the focus, not what this other pastor suggests. There'll be people on all over the spectrum telling us to do things. And if we're going to be thoroughly biblical, you know, we want to make a joyful noise to the Lord that joyful noise is going to be tied into who we know that he is. And so I find joy in knowing him. I serve him with gladness because I know him. I come into his presence, and I think that's the key. That's, that's the thing that we're asked to do in the psalm. Come into his presence. When you're struggling without joy, come into his presence because in his presence is fullness of joy. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so we need to just simply come into his presence with singing. And you may not be a singer. You may be more like my dad was. Uh, sing anyway. Have a song on your heart before the Lord as you come into his presence. And then he says, here's why. Here's how, how you're going to have to be motivated in that joy. And it says, know that the Lord, he is God. Why, why does he say that? In fact, it sounds very much like what we heard in, in uh, 1 Kings uh, where um, Elijah was on the, uh, on the um, uh, Mount Carmel and he had the people uh, uh, and was speaking to them. Oh, here it is. 
In 1 Kings 18, 39, it says, And when all the people saw it, they fell on their knees and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. I mean, they had seen fire from, from heaven, and we haven't seen that. And so what is going to motivate us to say Yahweh, which is the uh, tetragrammaton that's, that's here in the original, it's the four consonants, uh, L-O-R-D, and you see it with the, the four capital letters there. Um, that means that it's translating the word Yahweh or Jehovah. It says he is Elohim. He is the God. And I think that, that when we realize what he's saying here, we realize, you know, we believe lies about God at times. We don't always believe what's true. In fact, in the Bible recap, Tara Lee Cobble uh, says in the fourth prayer that we're supposed to pray before we get into the scriptures and read them, he says, God, correct any lies I believe about you or anything I misunderstand. And I think she's right because in Romans chapter one, it says, because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator. I think in our lives that many times we substitute what we think is God for God. And, and it, we end up worshiping ourselves. In our world, we, we see that, uh, in fact, I think it's interesting here in the passage in verse 3, it says, it is he who has made us, and I love the, uh, the version that says, and not we ourselves. Here it's translated in the ESV, and we are his, talking about ownership but and not we ourselves we're not the creator we're not the ones who have created all things and i think that's important for us to know because if we see ourselves as creator and god simply becomes a construct of our imagination then we create god and then in essence we have become god because we're creating god we're telling him what he is and so this is the way my god is and that's the way your god is becomes uh, evident it's like no 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 i i'm not the creator i'm not the one that caused him to be he's not just a construct in my mind he is the god and who is god he's the one who's not only creator but he's the three omnis omnipresent omnipotent and um, all knowing omniscient and so you, you think about that. He, he's all-powerful. He's all-ever-present. The presence of God. And you think, well, that goes back to what he said just before, come into his presence. He's always present. He's ever-present. He's always here. We can always count on him. We can trust him because he has the ability to do what he says he will do. And he knows what is best because he's all-wise. That's our God. And he's the one that has caused all things to be. Not only all things present, but all things future, as Alcorn was talking about, that we need to have our focus on the, on the future. And as Peter talks about in 2 Peter 3, we're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, what sort of people ought we to be? It changes us. It makes us different. And it helps us to understand that that future world is in his hands as well. Because we're very concerned about that. In fact, there's a, there's a whole movement called Christian nationalism where 
where there are those who uh, want to legislate Christianity back into our nation and make our nation a Christian nation once again. That's the idea in their minds. And Christian nationalism has some problems. Christian nationalism, uh, one of the big uh, problems is, is that we're trying to create a uh, Christian system with a secular worldly perspective, a secular worldly government. And so we can't cause that to be. We can't cause that. The theological fallacy is, is that we were never supposed to be involved in building the kingdom. That, wasn't so, that was something Israel wanted to do. God wanted to be king over them, and they, they asked for a king. And so God gave them a king against what he had desired for them because they wanted to run things. They wanted to make it happen. They wanted to bring in the kingdom. We see that in, in, on, the, on Palm Sunday where Jesus uh, is with the, uh, uh, on the donkey and he's riding into Jerusalem and, and the people are, are looking at him and they're wanting to make him king. We see it in Acts chapter 1 when the, even the disciples are saying, is it at this time you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Because they're thinking in terms of they're going to be seated with him and they're going to be ruling with him. And Jesus says, that's not for you to know. In other words, don't be concerned about that. Here's what I want you to do. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the remotest part of the earth. You see, it's not up to us to bring in the kingdom. God has got that under control. And we don't need to try to legislate it with a secular government. We, our focus needs to be, be as witnesses. And in order to be as witnesses, we need to have that joy in our hearts. And in order to have that joy, we need to come into his presence and know that he is God and not us. He's the creator, not we ourselves. He's our shepherd. We are the people and the sheep of his pasture. He's our shepherd. He's the good shepherd. That's where Psalm 23 comes in. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. I won't need anything if he is truly my shepherd, the one who meets my needs, the one who nurtures me. Jesus said, blessed are you when when people persecute you and revile you and say all kinds of ugly things about you falsely on my account, rejoice and be glad, for great is your reward in heaven. And so we, that focus on heaven, that focus on eternity, changes our focus here. It changes our joy. And we will be able to rejoice even in the midst of difficulty, even in the midst of hard times. And we're certainly going through that, but it means that we rise above it. We rise above the difficulties that we're facing. And we're able to do what the psalmist is saying, not as obligation, make a joyful noise, but because we're motivated by who our God is and what, what he has in store for us in the future. That's why we can do as, as verse three says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. So we, that picture of entering into his courts with thanksgiving, I have a picture of that, which would be a great time to show now, that picture of the courts 
of Israel and, and, and this picture that they're entering into these courts and as they enter into these courts for their sacrificial animals, they're coming not thinking about necessarily their sin. They're thinking about thanksgiving to God that he doesn't hold them accountable for their sin. And so it completely changes their focus. And I think that so many times we can come into his presence, as the psalm says in verse 2, and yet come dragging our feet, come with our heads hanging, come with this heaviness in our hearts, come with a sense of sadness. And yet he said, no, come with that sense of joy. Come with that sense of gladness. Come with thanksgiving and praise, blessing his name. Why? Because our God is good. Our God is loving. Our God is faithful. That's what he goes on to say. We can handle the difficulties. We can handle the hard times. I was reading an article about Daryl Strawberry, who was a, a baseball player. He ended up in his career with a number of different teams, and including the New York Yankees, and when won a number of, of championships. And, and his father was an alcoholic, and he was always troubled and always getting in trouble in baseball because of drugs and alcohol in his life. And then uh, he ended up marrying a lady who was a believer, and he came to faith as well. And, he, and, and, and the article said Strawberry's faith made him feel grateful for his past struggles. Childhood trauma, incarceration, drug addiction, and surviving ca cancer are just a few of the obstacles he's had to overcome. And he said, my life has changed dramatically because of my faith, of operating in it and living in it not just talking about it, but actually living it. Daryl Strawberry's life is a testimony of a trophy of God's grace, of how God can take someone who's gone through great difficulty, and yet they come out with a strong faith. They come out with a, a joy because of that, a gratefulness, as he said, because of that. And the key is, is that we need to understand God is good. Our society doesn't think in terms of that kind of goodness anymore. Our heroes are brooding. We see Batman now as a dark knight with this brooding side of him and these struggles internally. We see in Star Wars the light side and dark side of the force which really pick up this idea of yin and yang. The yin being the uh, and the yang, the light side and the dark side and, and there's a dot inside of each one. There's a little yin and yang and a little yang and yin and so there's a little darkness in the light and a little light in the darkness and we know that God is not that way and yet we typically think uh, of him in, in uh, less than flattering terms. And so when we, we realize that, we realize that in 1 John, John says, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. There is no yin and the yang or no yang and the yin. God has no darkness in him. He is pure goodness. And, and we, when we begin to understand that, it changes us. It challenges our heart that God is light. He is love. He loves us with an everlasting love. He is love. And his love is pure as well. His love shows mercy. His love shows compassion towards his children. His love causes us to listen to us. His love causes him to shepherd us. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. 
and he's faithful. He's not whimsical. We have a God who loves us. And this psalm here is a psalm that reminds us that our joy comes from the Lord. Our joy comes from experiencing him. It says, know that the Lord is God. Experience is the idea. Experience God. Come into his presence. As we come into his presence with a glad shout, with a joyful shout, with gladness, serving him, doing things for him. And we come in with singing and we do those things because he's God, because he's creator, because he's our shepherd. Then it will lead us to, to enter into his presence with thanksgiving and praise, blessing his name because we know he is, he is all goodness. His love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. I want to encourage us this week. Come into his presence. In his presence is fullness of joy. Come into his presence. Sing to him. Fast and pray. Pray thanksgiving, which we, we did in November in our, in our prayer emphasis, and pray adoration, which we did in December as we adored God. Pray that you would be his witnesses as Acts 1 tells us that we're supposed to be, to be as witnesses. And we will be as witnesses. If we're experiencing joy, people are going to want to know where that's coming from. They're going to want to know, how can I get some of that joy? And that gives us the perfect opportunity to be his witnesses, to share about the goodness of our Lord. Let's come into his presence. Let's enjoy him. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning and we thank you so much for your incredible love and joy and grace that you give to us. The joy that we have, it comes from you. It comes from knowing you. It comes from being related to you. And Lord, I pray that you would guide us into that joy, remembering that that joy is regardless of our circumstances, that we can rise above those circumstances because of who you are, because you are good to us, because you are loving, because you are faithful, because you're our shepherd, you're the creator, you're God. And that as we focus on those things, as we focus on who you are, it will fill our hearts with joy, a joy that can't be quenched. And Lord, we pray that you would use us and use what we have in Jesus to make a difference in our part of the world, a world that desperately needs you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.